Hello, you are listening to Beyond the Briefcase, a law school podcast with Sarah and Meg. This week, we're exploring one of the bad habits that potentially plagues all students, procrastination. We share with you our experiences as well as some tips and tricks to keep procrastination at bay during law school. So to start off, of course, we need to explain or go into what is procrastination. So very simply, procrastination involves delaying tasks. And this is definitely something that we've all done. Let's say you have a very set plan. I will do the dishes tonight. And then you get to the time you were supposed to do the dishes and you're like, you know what? Actually, I'm tired. I don't feel like it. Let's do it tomorrow. So that's basically what procrastination is in a nutshell. And I, at least, for a fact, have done this a lot with my schoolwork during undergraduate studies. So I have a feeling I'm definitely going to be doing this once I start law school. I was going to say doing the dishes is such an amazing example because doing the dishes, you're like, oh, I can definitely um, put this off for a couple hours or do it the next day. But when it comes to law school and having to get through hundreds of pages of reading and or writing and or getting back, you know, emails and arranging meetings, all of a sudden, when it compares to washing dishes, when you procrastinate in law school, I have a feeling the consequences get a little more severe. Exactly. It tends to catch up to you. So we want to talk to you a bit about different causes of procrastination. Some of these causes you're probably already aware of, but some of them might be surprising. And knowing the causes is definitely a way to help just combat procrastination um, because sometimes you can actually kind of work on eliminating those causes to begin with instead of eliminating the behavior that results from them. I think that's put really well because I think a lot of people think that procrastination is either one, an in- indication that you're a bad person or it's like a terrible character feature or people think that procrastination is the um, is the illness. Maybe that's not the best kind of metaphorical language to use, right? But instead of treating procrastination as the um, cause, we like to see it, procrastination, and I think a lot of researchers like to see procrastination as uh, the symptom of something bigger. Exactly. And I think that also relates to when you were saying that a lot of people think that you know procrastination is kind of a character flaw. I, I've heard a lot that people tend to say, oh, I procrastinate because I'm lazy. It's just because I'm lazy. But typically, n- no, that, that's not the case. Like, I can admit I can be very lazy sometimes. But it's not necessarily because of that that I'm going to be procrastinating. Usually, there's a lot of other factors that come into play. So one really big correlation between increased procra- procrastination is alongside imposter syndrome. Um, and, and what is imposter syndrome? Yes, yeah, so imposter syndrome is basically when you ask yourself questions like, do I actually deserve to be here? Or you think you're a fraud. So let's say you just got a new job and you're wondering, how, how did I actually get this job? There has to be a mistake. They, you know, I played too good of a role. I was acting too well and I shouldn't actually be here. Someone else should be here. And this is something that, of course, we can see in in jobs, which is why I kind of brought that example. But it's also very common in law school and actually other graduate programs as well. And 
our next episode will actually be entirely on imposter syndrome. So this is a bit of a um, two-parter, if you will. So this episode is going to be entirely on procrastination. And then the next episode is going to be entirely on imposter syndrome. So if you are interested in hearing us talk a little bit more about it or even contributing you know, on our Instagram, please feel free to check in next week. And what's interesting is that it actually makes sense <laughs> that procrastination would be kind of a result of imposter syndrome when you know what imposter syndrome is because we do tend to procrastinate when a task seems too stressful or too challenging and if you don't think that you should be where you are and you think that you got there fraudulently then of course anything related to that position is going to seem like an obstacle that you just can't tackle that's way too big and Sarah I mean I'd love to ask you I mean, have you had, you know, imposter, what a rhetorical question. <laughs> have you had imposter syndrome and has that ever impacted cycles or frequencies of procrastination? Yes, I've definitely had, unfortunately, these thoughts uh, quite often. Um, and luckily, it's actually helped me to develop a bit of a philosophy that I now have. And I feel like this is something that helped me out a lot and, and kept me going specifically in my role as a compliance officer and in compliance because I think I mentioned this in our introductory episode but I started my role in compliance a bit by chance I didn't have any specific training in compliance my undergraduate degree doesn't really relate to the work that I was doing there I kind of just took some initiatives started some projects and then was kind of thrown into the role and so what I always tell myself is fake it till you make it and I really live by that now. It's a bit similar to some of those other kind of quotes that you would hear like dress for the job you want, not the job you have or different things like that. It's kind of in line with, and now I, I don't even know what this uh, word is, but you see that a lot on, on TikTok when you're trying to envision something that oh, you Manifest, want. manifest. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Manifesting and bring it into the world. I feel like it's it's very much related to that where I'm manifesting something and I'm pretending that I'm already there when that's not quite the case. And that's helped me a lot, surprisingly, uh, target my own imposter syndrome. Of course, that's a personal kind of trick that I have, but anyone feel free to try it. It might work for you as well. It might not. Don't worry if it doesn't. We're going to have a lot of other suggestions in our episode to help you out. Do you find that imposter syndrome and its correlation to... Um, procrastination often impedes you from answering emails because oh my goodness sometimes when I have to answer an important email or I receive an important email I treat that one click to open the email like I am carrying a boulder on my shoulders or something like that where I go oh my goodness this is going to take me all day and I usually that is for me my biggest demonstration of procrastination where I do not check that email often for hours, sometimes for days. And it's really not great because when I do inevitably open that email or respond to that email, it takes me five minutes. I do something similar, but I do open it immediately, but I just flag it if I don't want to respond right away. That's fair. And I think it does really come out of this mindset of you thinking you don't deserve to be in the position you are. You don't deserve to be there. And so I think your philosophy your kind of mi mindset of faking it till you make it, and I, I, I am using air quotes, 
is a good kind of assertive um, strategy to implement because I think that'll curb some of the initial insecurities and vulnerabilities you might have entering these new spaces like law school. Um, yeah, and something else I would say too is um, in terms of how I curb imposter syndrome and its connection to procrastination, I would say to make friends and stay friends with folks that are not in the same field or the same sector or the same profession. Separate to some extent the work that you do with who you are and know that truly, um, and I think sometimes in, in law school we, we get a little too high, you know, big in our britches or something, but really internalize that you are not doing quote unquote the most important work, right? The world, other people, and ultimately life exists outside of what you do and outside of law school. Yeah, I think that's really important for sure because if you have that idea that what you're doing is the only thing that matters, I feel like that would increase that, I that anxiety for sure, the stress and, and the fact that what you're doing is extremely challenging and not attainable and it would be easy to kind of have tunnel vision. Yes. Um, now I think we can move on to uh, tips and tricks, approaches to combat procrastination. And something that I think both of us agree with is um, the moment you see these patterns forming, right? And procrastination is often this kind of longer term problem, right? You know, if sometimes you're just like, oh, I'll put off this reading till tomorrow, oh, I'm feeling a little sick. I wouldn't beat yourself up too much over that. But if you see these longer term signs uh, showing up, to nip it in the bud immediately. I think it's one of these ideas that perhaps maybe in undergrad you felt like you could get away with cramming or doing at the last minute. I think that in law school that could become not just a way to not do well in um, classes, but also impede you from networking and maintaining a social life and a life outside of law school. Definitely. I think that for law school, it's important to kind of have all of that organized and, and ready to go from the beginning because you will be juggling a lot of things. And like we mentioned in some of our other episodes, it's important that law school doesn't become your only focus, your only personality. And part of that is that organization that's going to allow you to do that and your time management and being able to focus on other things but also you don't want to just focus on other things because that's when you're going to fall prey to the procrastination and be like okay I need to not just do law school so I need to socialize but you can't just socialize either <laughs> it's basically you want to have multiple facets of your identity and not make it one single thing wh whether that one single thing be law school or something else and so you know now that we're telling you oh my gosh you have to nip it in the bud what are some practical uh, means of, of doing that, of actually uh, mitigating or getting a handle on procrastination. Um, Sarah, do you have any techniques you use? Yes. One thing that really helped me, and granted this was not with school-related problems, but I feel like it could help with school as well, was having an accountability partner. So this helped me when I start, wanted to start working out again. And I wanted to start incorporating it into my routine. And so telling someone about what I needed to do and making sure that they were doing it with me and that I was meeting up with them helped me because at that point, it's not just something that I'm doing for myself. It's something that I'm doing for someone else. And so unfortunately, part of this is also kind of building a bit of guilt 
and, and when it comes to me, uh, guilt is a very strong motivator, everybody. <laughs> so I would feel guilty if I had to bail on someone when we were supposed to be working out together. That's fair. Guilt is maybe not the right word. I'm I to, know. I'm, that's the only word I can come up with. I'm trying to come up with a silver lining to that term because guilt, I think, can can hold not only a negative but a potentially like problematic connotation. But what you're saying is you want to hold yourself accountable. You want to be reliable to other people. Exactly. Exactly. And I feel like it's a lot easier to kind of push things aside when they're only for yourself versus when they're also for someone else. Um this is something that, that that's helped me across across different areas. Like one good example is even just being accountable to my dog, Yoshi. Like that's allowed me to do things that I've always wanted to do for myself. But if I'm able to phrase it in a way that I'm also doing it for him, it usually increases my motivation to do it. I think that's a really great technique for folks who feel guilty about doing things just for themselves quote unquote whatever that means right or um feel like they don't deserve like this goes back into that imposter syndrome who feel like they don't deserve to do certain things or be in certain places by opening up what you have to do and the experiences you get to have with the folks around you and I think this can be a very achievable technique in law school where you know you have a large cohort it's a good strategy to implement. And granted, we can also think of this more as a short-term strategy in the sense that, of course, in the long term, you want to make sure that you don't have those feelings and you're able to do all of these things for yourself and realize that it's not, quote-unquote, selfish. Because I know a lot of people kind of phrase it as being selfish, although, trust me, it isn't. But I understand that feeling because I've been there. And so for me, a lot of the time, it starts with doing it for other people and then eventually I'm able to kind of incorporate it as it's a good thing to do for myself. But because, you know, law school, there's so many time constraints, I've determined at least for myself that accountability partner gets me to do it a lot quicker than building and changing kind of my mindset and my cognition about doing something for myself. Definitely. And in terms of techniques that I like to use, one kind of, um, you know, mantra or, you know, if Sarah's is fake it till you make it. One of the uh, philosophies I like to live by is treating play as serious as treating work. So what that means is that is that watching TV and self-care and doing anything that is intrinsically just for fun, just for pleasure, just for leisure, that is as important as law school and doing work and networking and doing these things that are for your career, just for your career. Simply because, again, you don't ever want to get into that kind of tunnel vision where all you're ever thinking about is law school. All you're ever thinking about is your grades. Because I have been there, and I've been there specifically for the LSAT, and I know for a fact that it was not my ability to do the LSAT or even study for the LSAT that um, really uh, hindered my ability to do well. It was this way that I put the LSAT on this pedestal that I couldn't ever reach right and so now now that I'm beyond that thankfully uh, whenever I approach doing work and doing school anything like this I I do always counter it with and juxtapose it with some kind of reward so whether or not that is hanging out with family and friends whether or not that's cooking myself a really nice um, breakfast or dinner whether or not that's playing piano or working out I see these as not 
options, but as mandatory uh, on a day-to-day basis. And to some extent, I actually find this to help me from getting distracted because, you know, I like to try to finish work at a reasonable time. I like to try to um, stop work at about five or six, cook a great dinner, hang out with my partner, do other things. And so if I know that the evening is set off for those um, tasks and those pleasures, then during the work day, I'm going to be focused on getting the work done at that point. That's really interesting because it makes me think of some advice that I was given actually during the welcome day when I was discussing um, just in this case, balancing work, like paid work with law school. And when I was discussing that with some of the professors, one big thing that they told me was treat law school, if this helps you, of course, like this also depends on your internal schedule. But for me, for example, I'm a morning person, so treating law school like a nine to five job and doing anything related to law school specifically during that nine to five period, I mean, that could vary a bit. It could be eight to four, whatever you want to make it. And then making sure that after that, I just put it aside and I move on. And that's very similar to what you're saying. And that's really important. That's something that I didn't do whatsoever during my undergraduate degree. And to be quite honest, I regret. And I feel like I've missed out on a lot of great experiences that I could have had in my early 20s. And that I feel now looking back, I feel like it would have been easy to incorporate. It wasn't easy at the time. But... Starting now, anyone who's about to start law school or even considering law school, if you're able to kind of already prepare yourself for the decisions that you're going to face and what you're going to have to do to make sure to keep all of these important things in your life in your routine, I think now's the time to do it. I think the issue is that I didn't think about any of that and then it was just so easy to kind of disregard and trust me, whether you want to or not, unfortunately, you will most likely regret it because it is an important part of just your life and honestly, just being human and being happy. We're not meant to be work machines. A hundred percent. And, you know, I have a feeling that guilt or shame, like these keywords are going to play um, a really large presence in our episode on procrastination, this one, as well as our episode on imposter syndrome and this idea that we can't ever implement these techniques or strategies because we didn't do it you know two years ago or even a month ago frankly at the end of the day it's these are things you can always start immediately like truly if you're if you're like I wish I had done this in my undergrad or I wish I had done this even like while I was working or I wish I had done this while I was trying to learn how to exercise Um, I don't know if I can do it in law school because I haven't been able to do it previously. I don't think that's the best mindset to have, right? Like learning to enjoy play and work, learning to be confident even in spaces that you feel insecure and vulnerable. Um, These are things that take a lot of work, but can always be implemented um, as soon as possible, like, or at least the effort of trying to implement them. And I think it's a process probably, especially for you know, you and I and probably most of our listeners who are type A personalities and perfectionists and we tend to want to give our 100% and our whole into everything and sometimes it's hard to distinguish between giving 100% and spending every single second, waking second of my time on something. Those are two separate things. You can do your absolute best and still give yourself time to do other things. In fact, oftentimes... 
being able to have this balance is what's going to make your work even better. And that's something that, you know, we can tend to forget in the moment. And I think also, um, as, as, as two mature students, and the fact that we have guest speakers who um, are lawyers with families, this is, this is also a really uh, key um, kind of way of living to prioritize uh, this idea of prioritizing work and play and having all sorts of different facets of your life. Because I think a big thing about North America is that folks who start law school and, and enter the work field, workplace and stuff, they're people in their early to mid-20s who might not think, who, who can go, you know what, I can stay up until one or two or three doing work for law school um, because I, I'm just living by myself or I'm just living with like one partner and we can live this kind of casual and perhaps disorganized life. But, you know, as we, as we continue on through law school, as we continue getting older, if we think about um, prioritizing family or prioritizing even friends and, and just other people in our lives, it can really be a great um, aspect to, um, of course, reduce procrastination, uh, but of course to also enjoy law school and other facets of life by knowing how to balance things properly. And I think it's important to remember and to not fall prey to thinking that okay that person is able to do it but it's unattainable for me mm -hmm. I know that I've often kind of fallen into that mindset where it's like I would love to be able to do this but that's just impossible for me that's not the case listeners if we're able to do it you can do it 100% and you're going to be following us and you're going to see granted we're probably going to have our little trips and, and falls and it's not going to be perfect all the time but as long as you continue working towards it consistently, you can make it happen as well. We are not exceptional. We don't have something that you don't have. So just keep that in mind. And if it helps, work with us towards kind of your own success in this. 100%. And I think that's a really good segue into kind of the last segment of this episode, which is our experience with procrastination, as well as some um, truly, uh, you know, detailed and pragmatic techniques that we use on a day-to-day -day basis. So Sarah, why don't you start? Yes. So as I've mentioned earlier in this episode, I've definitely fallen prey to procrastination. One thing that helped was, of course, my philosophy that I discussed. But another thing that really helped me surprisingly, and everyone keep in mind, it's not because it helped me that this is the perfect method for you. So I know that for some people, this is probably going to seem quite drastic, but it worked for me. So I continue doing it is I did this kind of variation of the Pomodoro method where I scheduled my time in chunks of 30 minutes. However, because I work best in long stretches, I did not do the typical 30 minutes and then give yourself a break. Yeah. Do you want to just explain to our listeners what the Pomodoro method is? Um, yes. So usually what happens for this, and if you want to do it to an extreme, it would be scheduling your time for your entire day in chunks of 30 minutes. And after every 30 minutes, you give yourself about a five minute break to kind of restart. And then you can continue on with whatever else you, you had planned. So that's, for example, breaking up your studying into 30 minute chunks instead of studying for three hours in a row now the reason why i say i do a variation is because i would be the type to just do three or four hours in a row yes um and that works for me and that's fine everyone do whatever works best for you if what works best for you is to give yourself some rest and give yourself some rest 
me, it just, I get distracted too easily. But also, I can focus very strongly and, and for long periods of time. But then if I would force myself to go on a break, what I discovered is that it would be less likely for me to be able to go back into what I was doing. Or at least not with the same focus that I had already established. So I kind of just go with what feels more natural. If after three hours, I feel like I'm losing concentration, then I'll give myself a break. But if it just so happens that that day I'm able to do five hours, then I might do five hours. So what I do is I basically also let myself rest when I need to. That's something that I learned that's very important that I didn't let myself do before is that I discovered that it's better to take a break, to sleep, or to end my entire kind of studying for the day then to continue when I'm not kind of optimally present and efficient. And what that does is that maybe I'm going to have a shorter study period for that one day, but it's going to be a lot more efficient. And then I'll be able to start the next day. And with the increased efficiency, basically what's going to happen is that I'm going to be able to allocate less time to that studying, but it's going to be as productive. And that's something I had a very hard time with. I would just do like, let's say eight hours on end, of of studying of working and I wouldn't I didn't have let's say put it this way maybe the self-awareness to realize that what I was working on it I wasn't moving as quickly as I was able to and I was potentially getting very distracted um, you know thinking about things unrelated to the work for long stretches of time and then being like oh whoops I have to get back to it and I think it's important to be able to forgive yourself. You know, even when you set that schedule, if you're not able to follow it to the T, that's fine. You have to listen to your body. You have to listen to your mind. And that doesn't mean that because you weren't able to do exactly what you wanted to do for that day, that the rest of the week is ruined or like it's you're most likely. And I can say from my experience, you'll be able to in quotation marks, catch it up. Because I don't necessarily like the word catch it up because you didn't necessarily have to do it that one day. Then you're always working under a dearth or a scarcity or a deprivation mentality, right? You're always, it's always latent. You're never actually achieving anything. You're always just catching up. Exactly. So I think that's important to note that although I definitely live by scheduling and that type of organization, it's important to realize that these schedules are flexible. And that's the same for studying. It's the same for life. Things are going to change and you should be able to rearrange it and forgive yourself for that and not feel like you're not achieving what you're supposed to and not feel guilty and not feel like you're always chasing something. 100%. Sarah likened um, going to law school and just studying in in these kinds of graduate or professional settings um, like a nine to five. And I 100% agree with that. But I think another interesting metaphor to use is um, with exercise. So for instance, you know, uh, I'm a big fan of long distance running. I used to do quite a bit of it. And I think most long distance runners will tell you that when you're practicing to run and you're practicing to run for like a 10K or a half marathon or a marathon or something like that, if every time you practice, you're running that, that full length, you are going to destroy your body almost immediately. You are going to burn through 
all of your tendons and joints, you're going to be in so much pain so that even though in the short term you can do a quote unquote maximum amount of practice and work, it is that kind of progress and that kind of effort is so short term and because pretty soon you burn out and not only do you burn out uh, kind of intellectually or mentally, but you also burn out physically. And, and so, you know, I used to be in the same camp uh, Sarah, where I used to try to push myself really hard. I used to only prioritize studying and always be really tense about it and treat it like it was the most important thing in the world. So I didn't really kind of procrastinate, but, but quite the opposite. It eventually led to procrastinating because I would develop so much joint pain and other physical um, symptoms. And so that was a real wake-up call for me, what I've been experiencing in the last couple of years, because I've learned that truly, if you do not take regular breaks, your body will give up on you. And I think for us young people who are really interested in these high-stress professions, all that we are at the end of the day is our bodies. And so that is something that we have to prioritize. And I completely agree with you too, Sarah, about sleeping. I personally, I do not see points in pulling all-nighters. I really don't. I am someone who very much values my sleep. I think the lack of sleep changes your often your behavior. It changes your ability to make decisions. It makes you more distracted. And to me, there's no sense in doing things poorly when I can just go to bed, right? I, I would rather do it well the next day. And I think we are both morning people though, right? Yes. <laughs> so but some, yeah. everyone, it's, it's, you can do the same thing, yes. but instead of doing, let's say, the nine to five, Yes. You can do 12 to 9. Exactly. You can do, well, actually, that would be a bit more than, let's say, 12 to 8. Yes. Whatever. You can change it around based on if you're a night owl or a morning person. Of course, within the limits of when your classes are scheduled, unfortunately. Um, Higher education still kind of follows that more if you're a morning person type of schedule. But at least when it comes to your own personal study time, do it based on whenever you're the most awake and productive and kind of you feel like everything's a lot clearer. You have that clarity. Yes. And like Sarah said, the moment you feel like that's not the case, always ask yourself, what's the contingency plan and can I forgive myself? Because truly, if you can't operate under this kind of flexibility, uh Yes, you do very well in law school. But of course, what happens next, right? Can you keep up that same kind of endurance? Maybe not. Exactly. It won't be sustainable. Yes. Um, So, I mean, before we wrap it up, Sarah, you wanted to share um, some really interesting uh, work, right? Some interesting resources. Yes. I have some resources that I recommend looking into. It's basically the work of Dr. Tim Pitchell, who's currently a teacher at Carleton University. So, yes, I am plugging in my alma mater. Sorry, everybody. And he's a member of the Procrastination Research Group. So he has several publications about procrastination, and he even published a book on the matter called Solving the Procrastination Puzzle. And I definitely recommend it. I think it's a good read for everyone, and it can help you understand more, yes, about procrastination, but potentially the actual individual reasons why you procrastinate yourself. And one thing that I wanted to mention that I forgot to mention a bit with that 9 to 5 I think what's good with having that mentality for law school is that, at least from my experience being in the workforce, when you have that nine to five, it's as soon as it's five, you clock out. Your work doesn't matter anymore. You can focus on other things. 
Same thing for the weekend. And I think it's good to have that mindset as to at some point you can clock out from law school because that's difficult to do or for some reason for studying because there's always that idea like you can always study more. There's always It's never done. It's never done. It's never done. Exactly. There's always more to learn. I feel like it's more difficult to do and that's why maybe adopting that mindset and having those set kind of the, the set timeline of when you're studying can make it easier for you to disconnect afterwards and really focus on other things and push that aside at least for the time being. That's really great insight and I'm sure that Tim Pitchell talks about these kinds of um, ideas as well. So we'll be we'll be sure to um, specify all that information in our descriptions. Definitely check out those resources. Thank you for listening to Beyond the Briefcase. Next week, uh, like we said, we're going to be doing another one-on-one episode, and we're going to be talking about the sister problem of procrastination, imposter syndrome. So definitely be sure to check out that episode. Rate, review, subscribe, share with your friends. Check out our social media. Check out our Instagram. At Beyond the Briefcase Podcast. To keep in touch as well as up to date with our one-on-one episodes as well as our guest speakers. Thank you, Adam, our technical producer. And of course, thank you, listeners. I've been Meg. I've been Sarah. Bye.